afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up, and welcome to Central Saturday. I'm Tyler Rojek. I'm here with Luke Smith, and today we're going to preview Notre Dame's first home game of the 2022 season as the Irish are set to host the Marshall Thundering Herd on Saturday afternoon. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review there as well. Thank you to everyone who's done that already, and if you haven't, what the hell is your problem, man? Or woman. Shout out to the... uh, female listeners out there, all six of you maybe. Um, all right, last time we recorded an episode, it was Sunday morning after another disappointing loss, and admittedly, the vibes were not very high at the time. We've heard some of you that said we sounded a bit negative, a bit down in the dumps, and I would say those observations were astute. But today is a new day. It's a new week. Great opportunity to get the first W in the Marcus Freeman era. So before we start talking about Notre Dame's next opponent here, I feel like we should do a quick check-in, a vibe check if you will. So how are you feeling today, Luke? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to refrain from saying the F word in this podcast. I, upon listening back on it, said it a couple, couple times in the last <laughs> one. Um, we need yeah, you to be authentic right. though. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But I, I, I can still, you know, express the, the, validi- the validity of my points without vulgarity. So that, that's what I'm shooting for today. I'm proud of you. It's a big step yeah. up. All right, so it's been a few days here. Um, Now that you've had some time to think about that game Saturday night, I feel like now's a good opportunity to sort of close the book on it before we move on. Is there anything you want to discuss about that game before we move on to Marshall? You know, I think think just a couple quick things. Um, Defense played very well, and I'll leave it at that. Um, I also think it's very okay to be upset about the fact that we lost another big showcase big time game so like it's not wrong to be upset about that we need to start winning those games at the same time I'm not going to let that dictate my mood on the rest of the season even though it may have seemed otherwise the other day so um, it all starts on Saturday in South Bend against Marshall but uh, yeah I'm not going to let that dictate how I feel where this team can go from here at the same time don't feel bad if you're upset about how Saturday went Yeah, I totally understand fans being upset about that game and particularly about the offense, which is sort of what I want to get to here. I actually thought the fan reaction surrounding Tommy Reese and and sort of the anger directed at him might die off a little bit after the game. And that just, yeah, it just didn't really happen. Now, in retrospect, it was pretty dumb to think that those fans would cool off. And and look, I'm not going to try and convince you that he called a great game because at the end of the day, like 10 points on what was it, 253 yards of total offense. It's not going to cut it. Now, I would point out that the best player on the offensive line wasn't playing, and um, the rest of the group didn't execute, and that caused a lot of problems to go along with the lack of playmakers on the outside. 
retro freshman quarterback. All these things might be true, but I get it. I'm not going to say, hey, this is why Reese actually did a good job on Saturday, because if you want to be playing in the, among the elites in college football, like those excuses aren't going to cut it. Uh, what I am going to say, though, is I have full faith in Tommy Reese to right the ship here. It might not happen right away, to be honest. Um, there's definitely a world in which it takes Notre Dame a few weeks to sort of right the ship on offense until Jarrett Patterson comes back to the line and that group has some time working together to get things going in the right direction there. But uh, can we make it through one game without trying to fire the entire coaching staff? And I, I would have thought another thing, too, going back to what I was saying earlier, where I thought the fan reaction would die off. When Marcus Freeman said in his press conference that he's the one who told Reese, hey, you got to bleed clock, you got to limit Ohio State's possessions, no turnovers, all that. Clearly an order from the top, that didn't seem to matter. And I really just wanted to take this opportunity to definitively say that as bad as it looked on Saturday night, that's probably going to be either the toughest or second toughest test for that offense all season. And I really have faith in time to right the ship. That actually would have been a really good uh, thing for us to add into our preseason awards is which comes first, Fran's calling for Freeman's job or Reese's job? Because I think that was a missed opportunity for us. Yeah, predicting like the most obvious headlines. Because the one with Freeman at one point, whenever he has a bad loss or Notre Dame has a disappointing loss or whatever, someone, who's going to be the person he writes, uh, does Marcus Freeman spend too much time recruiting? And it's all of a sudden negative. That's coming. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm shocked it didn't come already. Although if you listen to some people, I mean, I, I will give some people in the national media credit. They were like, all right, Notre Dame actually, th- this is okay for them. And if you see how Freeman's recruiting, just give them some time, which which is fine to see. The fan base does not feel that way, I know. But still, you're right. The uh, the vitriol was much more pointed at Rees. Uh, and, I mean, I said it. I don't really know what I said on our podcast on Sunday. I think I don't really think I called him out at all because I didn't really feel that strongly about how he called the game. I think I made it clear that I felt like he was handicapped um, by his resources at wide receiver and how poorly the line played. Now, some people might argue that the line standard is is his standard and and that's on him. But listen, I'm not ready to call that guy out by any means. Like, can we not? Can we just go back to the fact that six months ago people were like, oh, my God, thank God this guy's staying. Like, fuck Brian Kelly, like, whatever, all that's st- – I just said the F word. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to see if you recognize uh, Anyway, yeah, anyways, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like, people were yeah. saying that. Um, those aren't my words. That's a quote. Uh, anyways, like, there, just, there you just go. give it some time. There, there's no reason to really get that upset about any of this. And, yeah, it, like I said, it's okay to be upset about the game, but – if you're really going to go at Tommy Reese like that, like I don't think you watch the game that closely. That's that's all I'm going to say. Well, I think that's the thing. is The easiest th- thing to do when things go bad is to just blame the play caller. Like, call better plays. <laughs> it's very easy to say. And don't get wrong. <laughs> call the plays that score touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, sometimes... Help Brian Van Gorder, you didn't really need to be a football Listen, this mastermind. Isn't, this isn't this isn't Brian Ferentz we're dealing with. All right, yeah. like come on, like relax a little bit. Yeah, Notre Dame at least was able to move the ball against, uh, you know, not just a non-FCS school, but maybe one of the three best teams in the country. Sort of what I go back to is like it didn't look great. I think back to 2020 when. Tommy Reese's offense picked apart a Brent Venables-led defense the first time around. Second time, Venables got the better of him. It happens. He's probably, if not the best defensive line in college football, he's certainly up there at the top. 
And it might be cliche to say or just annoying to some fans, but there's a reason that Marcus Freeman wouldn't have taken the job if Tommy Reese had either gone to LSU or if he had gone to take another job. Like Marcus Freeman, his number one priority was keeping Reese. There's a reason for that. People like Sean McVay, maybe the smartest offensive mind in football right now, he went out of his way to admire Reese's ability during a press conference. You've got Mario Cristobal, who wanted to hire Tommy Reese instead of Josh Gaddis, who, by the way, is the reigning Broyles Award winner for the top assistant in college football. So, look, Saturday wasn't great. I'm not going to you know, say, here's why you're wrong. No, I get it. it. He had a bad game. It happens. But I'm saying, in these situations, you got to put your trust into people who know a hell of a lot more about football than you and I do and all the listeners. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it might take a little bit of time, but when Notre Dame is 9-1, 10-1, competing for a playoff spot in November, Tommy Reese is going to be a big reason why. And now, Pearl Jam. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going into some ad reads. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Please be sure to check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SONS, that's S-O-N-S, for 15% off on your next order. Look, they got this Irish collection out. Uh, it's really sweet. I, I really think you guys will like it if you take a look at it. All Notre Dame colored, and uh, it's some good stuff. So just be sure to check them out again. That's bethehaas.com. Yeah, I actually got my Irish collection dad hat. I'm not wearing it right now, so I guess poor poor company man on my part. Um, this episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo. We've been pushing it pretty hard. It would look great. And Irish fans everywhere, especially at the tailgate lot this Saturday, that's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K dot com. All right, let's talk about Marshall. Uh, this will be the first ever matchup between the Irish and the Thundering Herd, uh, who enter South Bend 1-0 after beating Norfolk State 55-3. to Should you be worried about that score? It's a lot of points. No. Uh, Norfolk State is not only an FCS team, they're a pretty bad one. So that was practically a glorified scrimmage to start the season over there. And at the time of this recording... Notre Dame is 20 and a half point favorites. The over-under is 51. And uh, wait, did that move? Did the line move? Uh, well, I saw it at 18, so that, that did move up. Yeah, so it's at 20 and a half now. Over-under is at 51. So Vegas is basically projecting something close to a, a 35-14 victory for the Irish. Uh, how do you feel about that, Luke? What, what do you know about Marshall going into this one? Uh, I know that they gave us Kane Madden, who was one of their best players for the last 10 years, and he was whatever for the Irish. Um, I know that their old old quarterback just lost to Old Dominion last week at Virginia Tech, So, uh, and he throws a lot of picks. And other than that, I know they started 7-0 a couple years ago. that's pretty much it. I, uh, I I don't really care what Marshall's personnel looks like, but I'm sure we can get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the preseason, like full 2022 season preview. Marshall is without their best player, Rasheen Ali. I probably would have given this game the, the Toledo game award for just a game where Notre Dame has far superior talent, but it comes down to the wire for uh, whatever, a multitude of reasons. Uh, but without Ali... 
I, I don't really think they have any chance of pulling this one out. He was a stud. He's like a freshman All-American last year. Led the country with uh, 25 touchdowns. His replacement is pretty interesting. His replacement's name is Kalen LeBourne. Uh, at one point, LeBourne was a five-star prospect, and he started his career at Florida State. Then he got suspended a couple times, and he ultimately got dismissed from the team in 2020 for a violation of team rules. So I pose the question to you. Outside of maybe mass murder, what does it take to get kicked out of Florida State if you're a football player, especially a five-star prospect? Do we even want to know? No. Uh, having been to Tallahassee and having never want to go back, um, it's hard to imagine. That place is a hellhole. Um, I mean, we saw what Jameis did down there, and he never really faced repercussions for it. Uh, was he – did this guy end up on last chance to you? I, I, I don't know. Like, I think I he feel was like... supposed to go to a JUCO, and then it didn't work out, and then he ended up at Marshall. Maybe he's trying to take the uh, Randy Moss route, but I don't think Moss ever actually stepped foot – on campus at Florida State as a student. No, he did. He did. I'm pretty sure he did a year at Florida State on the scout team, actually. Okay. All right, well, so maybe that's what this guy's plan is. Um, So he's obviously got some raw talent if he was a five-star prospect, but there's a reason he's at Marshall and never really did anything at Florida State. Their new quarterback, you already mentioned their old one, who's now at Virginia Tech, uh, Henry Columbia. He uh, is on his third team. He started his career at Utah State. Then he transferred to Texas Tech. Started nine games for them last year. So uh, he's played some Power 5 college football, but he went like 4-5 and five as a starter. Wasn't all that great. So they're probably just going to try to run the ball. They don't have that many good receivers. But I, I don't know. I think big picture here, I'm not worried about this game in the sense that Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame might lose because I don't think that's the case at all. But I got to admit, man, the past few years, Notre Dame has had some weird home openers. Now, last year, Toledo was obviously... I mean, I don't even know if we want to speak about that too much here. And then the year before that, Duke, but we'll give Notre Dame the benefit of the doubt, COVID year and all that. 2019, it was New Mexico State. It was a borderline high school team. Do you have any concern at all that we could be looking at the scoreboard in the third quarter and, and be like, wait, Marshall's in this game? No, I don't. Uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One, this defense just let up only 21 points to – potentially the second best offense in the country last week. Um, I don't think Marshall's going to have an easy way scoring points. Like that's just not going to happen regardless what you think about our offense, which I do think will play very well this week. I just don't think it's, they're not going to be able to manage anything on offense. Um, The other thing is that, listen, Marcus Freeman has coached two games as head coach in Notre Dame, and he's blown leads at halftime to two top 10 teams. If this game was to be somewhat interesting, that would make this a very uncomfortable start to the Freeman era. It would. It would. There's no two doubts about it. We talked about it on Sunday. Um, We think this was probably a very rigorous week of practice, and I think that shows. I think Freeman is looking to flex his muscle. I I think Notre Dame just runs Marshall off the field on Saturday. I don't think it's ever close. I think you're looking at something closer to Georgia Tech last year. I think this is an absolute blowout. Oh my, Luke is back. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's serious. That's that's good rationale. I hope that's the case, certainly. If, in order for that to happen, we really need to see some things out of this Notre Dame team that we didn't see against Ohio State. So if you were to pick, like, the areas where Notre Dame will improve the most from week one to week two, and I know that's a common football saying that you see the most improvement for any team from week one to week two. Is that always the case? I don't know, maybe. But say it is the case for Notre Dame and Notre Dame does steamroll them, like you say, 
what has to happen on this Notre Dame team? Like, which group improves the most? The offensive line. Yeah. Kind of need that. Is Patterson going to play? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I, I don't think he should play until North Carolina. Um, but I, I, I don't know, but I don't think he will play. Um, but listen, it doesn't matter. Like, it's Marshall, okay? Just dominate these guys. It, it, it's pretty much all you got to do up front. Um, you got to be able to run the ball. And with that comes time for Tyler Buckner. You know, I, I actually think that the reviews – from people that actually follow the sport, you know, in the national media, we're pretty high on Tyler Buckner, at least for a start. And I agree. Like, he did a lot, even though he wasn't given a ton of help. I think he gave him a little bit of time today. We'll really see some cool stuff out of him. Um, he'll be able to spread the ball around the field. And and I think that offense will look a lot different than it did in, in, in Ohio last week. Yeah, I feel like most people who watch it, especially those who like weren't Notre Dame fans, I'm Notre Dame fans are going to be a little bit more critical than most. We know that that's not anything new, but yeah, I feel like the overwhelming sentiment was that Buckner he didn't blow anyone away with his his game on Saturday, but it it really shouldn't be understated like how difficult of a situation that was for Buckner, and or maybe a better way to phrase it is how many other quarterbacks in his position would have completely just crumbled under that kind of pressure in that environment what what was it, 10.5 million people watching that game, however many people, like big-time celebrities right there, and he came out yeah, eight for eight. Exactly. Can, can we actually – this is a very brief interjection, and it's very different. Um, we talked about the star power at that game the other night with LeBron James and all that stuff. Did you know <laughs> that they honored Joe Burrow at that game? What do you mean they honored him? Like he did he come out because I thought it was the two thousand two twentieth anniversary thing. From people that I talked to who were at that game, they barely did anything to honor the two thousand two team. Um, they honored a bunch of people, which like some of them actually went to Ohio State. Like um, Evan Turner is a good example, but they honored uh, Joe Burrow on the field. God knows why, and they also honored Andre Iguodala. What connection does he have to Ohio State? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, I'm getting research out of this right now. What could you possibly do? What are we missing? He, I don't he think was he's just from at, Ohio. No, he went to Arizona. He was at the game with, like, LeBron and Jason Tatum and, like, all those guys. He was with all those NBA guys on the sideline. I talked to people who were at the game. They said they honored Andre Iguodala. He's from Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, him and uh, what's his name? Uh, that that boy, Sean Livingston. Yeah, but uh, like I, I don't know why the hell they did that. But anyways, like I just kind of needed to throw a random aside to that because when I heard that, I was like, what the hell were they doing at this game? But with that, like there's a lot going on as a yeah. first time starting quarterback. It's the you Andre Iguodala finals MVP. <laughs> wow, I mean, when you put it in that light, all of a sudden I think. Buckner's game is even better. Oh, my God. Yeah, and by the way, Bron- Bronny James today posted a picture with the Ohio State gear on saying not committed. Not committed, but though. He did not ju- committed. But he did just do an, like an unofficial <laughs> visit to Ohio State, so there's that. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot going on in that stadium around the game. I, I, I what, Okay, we got to get an official ruling on the Joe Burrow thing. Like, I'm pretty sure Burrow does have a degree from Ohio State. I'm pretty sure he he got his undergraduate. Degree I think you're right. Technically, I I I think you're right because he did two years at LSU and like guys that enroll in the summer probably graduate in three and a half years. So yeah. that makes sense. But you can't you can't claim the Joe Burrow that we know of today 
when he never really played any meaningful snaps at Ohio State. That's my that's when, my official. By opinion. the way, you were you were the guy that told me like three years ago that you had a family friend close to the Ohio State program who thought he was better than Dwayne Haskins. So it's true. It was pretty split. Um basically the family friend, he's like a film operator. He was there at all the practices. He even got like a uh ring when they won the Fiesta Bowl. So he was very involved with the team. And we talked before Burrow was even good at LSU. I think he was just average. He was his first season there. Yeah. And he told me like there was a lot of people who thought Burrow should have started. And then I think Burrow broke his hand or something. He had an injury and that sent him back. And then, I mean, Dwayne Haskins had one hell of a season that year. So at the time, no one was really like, wow, we should have kept Burrow. But now I think it's pretty clear they made the wrong choice there. All right, let's let's get back on track here. Where, where even were we? Yeah, we were talking about Tyler Buckner. Yeah. There's this clip that's been going around on uh, Twitter and stuff where they showed this play that Notre Dame ran where they had two H-backs and Buckner runs a read option. And during the game, it was like, okay, that's a decent run. He got like seven or eight yards. And then when you see the aerial view of it and you see the all 22 and you see Kevin Bauman just a little bit late on a block, if he makes that, Buckner probably turns the corner and that's a huge gain. The athletes in the field against Marshall are going to be just a little different than what he saw against Ohio State. So I think Buckner as the elite runner that we saw last year will be back on Saturday. Yeah, and wasn't there something that like he may have tweaked his ankle on Saturday, which I, and he kind of brushed it off. Um, yeah, he did. I don't, I don't know. Guys were kind of slipping and sliding on that field on on Saturday night, which I thought both was weird. teams, yeah, all over exactly. Yeah, so I mean, it's not Soldier Field, but it looked it did not look that great there that night. Or like uh, Notre Dame Stadium in November, pre turf. Remember those yeah. days when by the or end of the even, season, or even in October. Yeah, hell yeah. Late September, that field would just get so torn up, and it was it was just a pain to watch some of these guys. So we've talked a little bit about what we're hoping to see from Notre Dame here. Can you give me a score prediction? Although I think I kind of know where you're going with this. Um, so I don't want to go too outrageous here because, like, I know I said last week, like, put up sixty, but like that's asking a lot from an offense that put up less than three hundred yards that of offense. Has four week. healthy scholarship receivers. Yeah, but I I think what I am going to say is I'm going to say like 42 to six. Like I don't I I do not think Marshall is going to be able to move the ball. Like I like if they are okay. I know you mentioned the running back who's at one time was a very highly tied prospect. We saw what this defense did, and I, I hope that that defensive line is pissed off after honestly a kind of underwhelming performance. Um, that we saw last Saturday night. And I thought that Greg Flamong, our, our good friend, he made this comment to us offline. Like one of the most disappointing things about, about Saturday night is that the secondary who probably had the most questions actually did their job against Ohio state very well. And it was sort of the other groups of the defense. Although I, I, I don't think he really meant the linebackers. He really meant the defensive line who did not really follow up with that. Um, and I, I would hope that they have a chip on their shoulder going into this and, they're going up against a group that they are far superior to, so I, I really hope that we see, I don't know, six, seven sacks on, on Saturday. Like, just get after the quarterback, a lot of tackles for loss, and, and I hope Marshall is not able to move the ball against their defense. I would be pretty surprised if Marshall has any sort of sustained drives. I could see a scenario, though, where Al Golden tries to dial it up a little bit, be more aggressive than they were against Ohio State, minus that double safety blitz that – as we've talked about it, everyone's talked about it. Let's just move on for that. But you get my point here. I could see where like they're a little bit aggressive, maybe let up a big player here or there, which leads to some points. But you're right. If if Marshall's moving the ball consistently, 
then I don't even know what to make this team. If they can shut down Ohio State for the greater portion of that game and then all of a sudden give up to Marshall. Don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, I'm going to go 31-10. I think Notre Dame covers, and they make some progress offensively. But I still think it's going to take a little bit of time with the line just to get things figured out. We bring up that Liam Eikenberg quote all the time where he says it takes a few games uh, for the line to really get settled. Now, this is against a team that's much inferior to them. So they're going to be able to move the ball. But I don't think we're going to get to a point where we're just lighting teams up on offense, kind of like how Notre Dame did at the end of last season where the offense is really clicking. So I think it might take some time. But the defense is going to shut them out or, excuse me, shut them down for the, for the majority of the game. And, uh, yeah, I think Notre Dame gets cover. Cover Dame is back. Um, cover Dame was in a little bit of jeopardy there at the end of last week. Were you sweating that out at all? Um, a little bit. And then and then I saw what Ohio State did on the first two plays, and I, I felt okay. But, yeah, a little bit for a minute. Yeah, shout out John Sott. Low-key saved that cover for a lot of people because he had a boot on that. Hopefully we don't see nearly as much as John Sott. Did you see he was cramping up? I saw I saw a quote from Freeman about that. Uh, I didn't really look into it, but I did see that, yeah. Is there a greater indictment on an offensive performance than when your punter starts cramping? Yeah, probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Well, I, all I know is that Ben Turk and Jeff Price were big Pilates guys back in the day, so they were never cramping because they had all that flexibility. So uh, maybe Sot should look into some Pilates. I was not expecting the Ben Turk reference, but uh, that's good to know. <laughs> One thing I really want to see is our stars actually play like stars, kind of like what you were saying with the defensive line. Like, Foskey decided to come back. I mean, every game is worth a lot of money to him at this point. Like, I feel like his draft stock, especially after that performance last Saturday, probably took a little bit of a hit. Now, this is like a stat padding game. Like, you kind of need – this is like when Ian Book threw for like six TDs or whatever against Bowling Green. Maybe not to that extent, but – Kind of need a big bounce-back game from Foskey here. I think we'll see it. Um, I don't think there's anyone on the field for Marshall that's going to be able to hang with Michael Mayer either. So I'd expect some big games out of those two. And kind of just really need to see that. I'm not saying Mayer didn't play well because he played as well as he could given the situation. And he's being double-teamed every play and was still the leading receiver and all that. But uh, are your expectations for those guys? Like, Do you think there's going to be one guy that really stands out? Um, I don't know if I have one guy in mind, but I, w- I would definitely expect to see Foskey have a much better game than he did uh, against Ohio State. And I don't know. I-, I guess I'm always like kind of cautious about um, when you hear all this stuff coming into a season, um, especially that first game. Just some sometimes things don't live up to how we expect them to meet. But I would I would expect him and Jason Armiola to have much better games than they did last weekend. I'm not going to say anything about Mayer because he was totally fine yeah. the way I saw it. Um, I just mean he's going to have, like, 100-plus receiving yards, maybe two TDs. Like, I think he's going to go off, and, like, last week he did well. Right, right, yeah, no. But, yeah, I, I think especially I, I look I look towards it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know how much we've heard about Cam Hart and like whatever's going on with him, if he's still hurt or not. Um, but that'll be interesting to watch as well. Yeah. All right. That's all I got on Marshall. Moving on. Let's go outside in our game a little bit. This year, we're going to talk a little bit on these preview episodes about, you know, what excites us about what's going on in the college football world, because as much as we love Notre Dame, I think we both love this sport too. On Saturdays now with work, I'm watching like a ridiculous amount of games. Some weekends, especially when you're at South Bend, you might not be able to catch them all, but 
Um, last week, you and I both were able to watch a little bit. Anything that piques your interest going on in college football outside Notre Dame from last weekend or maybe looking ahead to this weekend? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, I got to say, and this is somewhat related to Notre Dame, I had to laugh on Sunday um, when I showed up to a bar and I had a couple Alabama fr- f- fans, friends there, and they the first thing they said to me was like, yeah, Notre Dame actually like acquitted themselves better than I expected. And I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't really care. Uh, and then they were like, they were talking to themselves like, yeah, dude, after yesterday, like I'm so much worried, much more worried about George. Like I really don't think Ohio State's that good. And like it cracked me up because I was the one that said in our preview, like I don't think Ohio State should be compared to Alabama, which I think is probably fair still. But at the same time, like the way they were saying it was just so dismissive about the way Notre Dame's defense played them. Like we talked about how CJ Stroud just made still some ridiculous plays. He and Bryce Young are probably still the two best quarterbacks in college football this year. So that one cracked me up a little bit. Um, the other thing, staying in the Big Ten, Michigan's schedule. Like, when you really look at that, like, come on. They should be penalized. They should automatically have, like, two losses to their name by just their non-conference schedule. Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it. I just there it is. Again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm keeping these on. two. I'm not cutting them out. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, <laughs> Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, that should be illegal. That is not you don't play one real FBS school there. Like, I know they're technically all FBS. They're not any of those schools. Like, that's just a joke. That is a joke. And the fact that they can basically play this NFL preseason with their quarterbacks, yeah. which is clearly tailored towards Nazareth, Nazareth Academy's finest, J.J. McCarthy, who, by the way, is not that good, um, is just hysterical to me. And And honestly, like, that game is one of the games I'm looking forward to the most because I think Ohio State's going to run them off the field again. I, I think like those guys, by the time November turns around, Ohio State is going to be a lot better team than what Notre Dame saw last week, and they are so much more talented than Michigan. I think they're going to run them off the field. So um, I know that you probably have some more positive thoughts about the Big Ten, um, and I want some other things to say, but I'll leave it with that for now. Um, all I will say on Michigan is that they are running literally a preseason. It's ridiculous that their first two games are so insignificant to them that they're like, yeah, we're going to just try out a different quarterback each game. Like Winning is built into it. We know we're going to win. We're playing Colorado State and Hawaii. So, yeah, let's just test out these And UConn. UConn game yeah, three. <laughs> Whoa, shot. Jim Moore is riding the ship over there, dude. He's got some, he's got some good ghosts in his house. Look, yeah, look out for the Huskies in stores out there. Um, yeah, Michigan – you know what I'm thinking of? Remember when Ohio State lost to Clemson in that Fiesta Bowl? They lost in a close game to Trevor Lawrence, and like they had so many opportunities to win that game, and they just didn't. They blew it, had a bunch of red zone trips. It didn't turn into touchdowns. That entire offseason, they had like pictures of the score, and in the weight room, they would just play that game on replay all year. Like They weren't thinking about Michigan. They knew they were going to beat them. All they were thinking about is, if we get another shot at Clemson, we are going <laughs> to impose our will. And they did exactly that in the college football playoff. I, and it I was shocked stunned. all of us. Yeah. But also what you're leaving out is that the fact that Michigan canceled on them that year because they claimed COVID. Yeah. Well, <laughs> imagine what Ohio State is doing now with that Michigan game. And all the oh, talk yeah. about how they're at. I, I think it could be a bloodbath. 
Yeah, I hope it is, honestly. Yeah. I really do. And I don't like Ohio State, but I hope it is. Speaking of bloodbaths, how weak is the slate this weekend when the entire college football world is going to be fixated on Alabama going to Austin to play an unranked Texas? And I get the brand part of it. I understand Alabama-Texas, obviously. this is It's a cool game. Uh, it's going to be on Fox, so I think the entire company outside of me is going to be at that game. Definitely not bitter about it, whatever. Anyway, uh, the spread is 20 and a half. It should be higher. It should be 28 at least. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, Texas blows. Like, they, <laughs> they are not They are not good. And, and the fact that it took Quinn Ewers that long to clean that job, like, just says all you need to know about that program, to be honest. Um, they lost one of their best receivers in the preseason. Obviously, everybody knows about Bajan Robinson, but – I think that's going to be a bloodbath. I got some buddies that are going to be down at that game, um, including some Texas fans, and and they know it at least. Like, the, yeah, they, like they, they don't they have know. any, they don't have any delusions, so that, that's good at least. Um, but yeah, the, you're right. This this week it's really not that promising. Did have a pretty good week one. Um, yeah, really good week one. Yeah, Utah, the other thing Florida I wanted was awesome. Yeah, speaking of which, um, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most about this year is uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. When Anthony Richardson plays against Georgia, listen, I'm not that sold about Florida's receivers yet. I don't really know who they have. They have some decent running backs. It might not matter because, like, I, you heard some people this week call, the, call Anthony Richardson, like, Cam Newton light. Like, just from watching those highlights – they don't seem that out there. Like, dude, that guy was built in a freaking lab. Just the way he can accelerate. And everybody's seen the video of him doing backflips with a helmet on. Like, that is a special kind of athlete who also has just a missile for an arm. Now, unfortunately, that's how Georgia's entire defense is made. So that's, that's going to be true. a really interesting interesting matchup like Georgia I'm sure will win that game but I'm just very excited and when that happens which I think is probably in October that'll be fun to watch just because of the the sheer caliber of athletes on the field yeah that's sort of how I feel about that that game as well because I know what Georgia did to Oregon is like a felony in most states (laughs) I mean dear god uh, but did did you watch the end of that game by the way no I I stopped watching after halftime so, all right, so the only reason I watched it is, so when I was at this wedding on Saturday, like, the side room was where the TVs were, and I was, like, about ready. I was in this wedding party, so I was about ready to, like, walk out to the main room, and they had the game on, and Oregon drove on their last drive. They are within the 10-yard line, and they're down 49-3, to and Kirby Smart is losing his mind just yelling. Oh, I did gonna, see that. Clip. They are not going to score on us. And they did not score. He was losing. Like, he's up. It kind of reminded me, honestly, of when Alabama beat the hell out of Notre Dame in the yep. national championship. And A.J. McCarron in the center got into the fight. On like, the that field. Was like, yeah, that was the closest thing. Because, like, Kirby is just losing his mind about, like, dude, you're up 49-3. It's not, they're not scoring. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of mindset that sort of gets you to where Alabama is right now. Like, it makes sense. Bryce Young had that unbelievable touchdown pass. He did the finger all celebration. Then he immediately saw Saban. And and Saban's, like, picking him apart because of an incompletion he threw, like, four plays ago. But that's just sort of what it takes. I think uh, as good as Georgia looked in that game, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it reminds me last year of, like, when Alabama, in that same stadium, actually, they destroyed Miami. Miami was ranked 14th at the time, clearly weren't the 14th best team in the country. 
Oregon, I think, is in a similar situation. They're ranked way too high before the season starts, and Georgia runs them off the field. Don't get me wrong. I think Georgia's clearly like up there in the top tier, but the this idea that they're just now going to steamroll everyone they play like they did last year, I think... I think we're getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. So yeah, I think Florida could pose a legitimate threat to him. I, I still, it's still hard for me to believe though. Like just the dudes out there. Like, I mean, what they had basically seven first round picks last year, and then this year they bring in Malachi Starks, that five star corner who I think it was the first drive of the game made maybe the greatest <laughs> interception I've ever seen. Yeah, like, it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, that uh, the Alabama thing also reminded me. Uh, so I, I like I said I was out of town uh, at a wedding, but I missed our high school uh, fantasy like draft on Saturday. And apparently, like I said, I'm friends with a couple Alabama people, but there are enough people in our in our group that like try to rattle the cage with the Alabama people. Doesn't really go too well. Uh, and, and another example of that is a close friend of this program um, put three hundred dollars when Alabama was up forty eight nothing on Utah State plus fifty one. And Alabama scored again, <laughs> and it ended fifty-five nothing. So, uh, moral of the story: don't don't even attempt those lines. Like, just don't bet against Alabama this year. Alabama first quarter, Alabama first half. Those are usually usually locks. And then the spread. I don't know if they get bored by just beating the absolute hell out of every team they play. Maybe they don't cover. Um, last game I want to talk about: Baylor BYU. Uh, Baylor is going to BYU. The game is starting like so late. I think it starts it starts 715 Pacific. So yeah, 1015 Eastern. So I don't even know how many people are gonna be locked into that game other than us true degenerates out there. BYU's favorite by four. I know it's a home game, it's, but Baylor's ninth right. in the country. Yeah. We're gonna learn a lot about that BYU team that Notre Dame is gonna have to go play in Vegas here a month from tomorrow. I'm gonna be pretty locked into that game. Yeah, that could be like a 57-55 game, to be honest. Like, I feel like that could just be a shootout because I don't think I'm very high on BYU's defense. I do think their offense is very good. Um, obviously, I, I don't know. that. You're right. That's going to be a very interesting one. Um, I don't know how much of it I'm going to watch, but, um, be yeah, I'll be, inter- I'll be interested to see how it goes the, the next morning. Yeah, it, it'll be a good test and see. We'll kind of get a sense of, like, all right, BYU just – say they beat up on Baylor, right? All of a sudden, that game on October 8th, we need to figure things out. We need to get Patterson back. We need to get the ball rolling before we go into Vegas. All right, you got any more final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, let's just let's just tell, like, we truly never remember the Marshall game after, after this weekend. <laughs> Very cool with that. Very cool with that. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Sun Saturday Irish. Thank you all for watching or listening to us wherever you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. We really appreciate it when you do. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sun Irish. And we will talk to you guys again on Sunday, hopefully after a nice and easy win in the home opener. Uh, talk to you soon.